Blog Talk Radio. Hello, loyal friends and new listeners. This is Billy B.J. Jones, and welcome to another exciting episode of B.J. Speaks, a conversation with extraordinary creatives, authors, artists, and others. If at any time you'd like to speak to us during this live podcast, our call-in number is 347-539-5372. Again, the call-in line is 347-539-5372. And if you're a little shy, you prefer to inbox me with your questions, comments, or requests. You're free to do so at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. That's my email address. Or hit me up on Instagram at drbillyjones. My DMs are live and standing by. Before we get started, an introduction to our esteemed guests. I'd like to provide a few thank yous. First, to the Black Podcast Awards. Thank you for the nomination for our 2022 Black Podcast Award nomination. I'm super excited and looking forward to, even as a nominee, it is an honor looking forward to what comes next. Also, special props to the South Florida Writers Association, which is hosting its 11th, I think it is, annual uh, Mango Writers Conference, or 10th annual, 9th annual. <laughs> I'm getting my signal here. Um, Mango Writers Conference, which is an amazing conference, but this one is on ground. So if you're in South Florida and would like to participate, go over to SouthFloridaWriters.org website and check it out. I guarantee you'll have a great time. And also to my new family of Horror Writers Association, thank you so much for the embracing. I'm looking forward to great, frightful fun and learning as I continue to immerse in this new chapter and organization. And now, for, without further ado, I have to tell you, this, this, new, this guest who's on here, I meet many amazing people, but this is one of my favorite people, one of my bestie author friends here, and I'll tell you why. Adele Royce was raised in Los Angeles and, gradu- and graduated magna cum laude from Arizona State University with a Bachelor of Arts in English Literature. She's, she survived the insanity of the Los, Angel- Las Vegas Strip, where she worked for many years as an advertising and PR executive. Ms. Royce's personal experience with the industry's creativity and, creativity and chaos gave her inspiration for her multiple book series entitled Truth, Lies, and Love in Advertising. She lives with her awesome husband in San Diego, where she is active in the writing community. And her short stories have won numerous first place awards. I have to tell you, folks, I've had the pleasure of working with this amazing author, not only as an author colleague learning from her, but as also an executive. We served on the board at South Florida Writers Association together. And what a gem and an honor it is to have you today here. Welcome, Adele. How are you? Um, hi, Billy. What a gracious, amazing introduction. Thank you so much. I feel the same Way it's a mutual admiration here, and I'm so appreciative that you would have me on. And thank you also to um, everyone who's listening in tonight. Well, Adele, I have to tell you, I'm holding a copy. You and I can see each other, but the world cannot. <laughs> and right. So with us today, folks, I'm holding in my right hand a copy of Camera Ready, which I've had for about a good year, and I have a few pages that are tabbed here because I enjoyed this reading so much. And I have to tell you, I am a Royce fan. 
I want all of you who are listening to become a Royce fan too. In fact, inside the link inside of this, this the description for this show is a link to Adele's website where you can go on and subscribe and as well as camp on to her social media feeds via Instagram and Facebook. But Adele, this book to me, I enjoyed it so much. It, the more I read it, I have to tell you this, the more I read it, the more, it, the more I learned about your life. Because you told me when you were working on this, you said, you know what, I have a lot of exposure to this industry. I'm going to take it as, and use it as a backdrop to this storyline. So the more I read it, the more I like heard your voice and I've heard your like your creative identity just come through and it was exciting to write. So who or what inspired you to do this, to write these works? Thank you. Number one, I'm so glad that you read camera ready and that you enjoyed it. Um, You know, what inspired me? Well, Obviously, when you write what you know, it's, um, you know, it's a little easier to come up with fictional scenarios that, that sound realistic and appealing. Um, the advertising industry is not at all glamorous. I hope that <laughs> came through <laughs> in the book and all three of the books. It's not glamorous, and there, it comes with a lot of heartache and headaches. But I think I wanted to have fun with the backdrop of the advertising industry and the backdrop of Los Angeles. It was kind of a creative way for me to go home because I was born and raised there, but I've never actually lived there to date as an adult. So mm. I did it gave, me, gave me an opportunity to do some, some research, go out to L.A. a lot and kind of walk the park where Jane, you know, the, the, the setting where she, the book starts in Tongva Park, which is in Santa Monica, and mm-hmm. really, really get into where these guys lived and what they were doing. And But, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to have fun, Billy. I I like shows like Sex in the City. I watched every episode of Mad Men, mm-hmm. and I just thought, you know mm-hmm. what? what? What if I could do something fun that's engaging and entertain, entertaining and that has some really fun plot twists, you know, and, and I want the book to be entertaining, so all three of them. And um, there are some things that we can get into and talk about as far as, uh, you know, the plot. But that's really what inspired me is I wanted to write books, and I wanted to do something that I could uh, – create a whole universe, you know, because that's what we really are doing. We're painting a portrait of, uh, and, you know, and showing the reader um, an element of, you know, somebody's life and a, and a stretch in somebody's life. And, of course, adding a lot of fictional drama <laughs> and sometimes comedy, right? Yes, indeed, there was. <laughs> yes. I, I love the balance and I love the, I, I appreciate the reminder that you just provided there about Sex in the City because I'm an avid fan as well. And I've seen every show. I've watched the movies that have come out over the years. And I'm sure, you know, they're, they're, I can see how that could be inspired. But I have to tell you, as I read the work, I never thought that. I feel you truly created your own lane of identity when it comes to the storyline. And even as I'm reading it, I could see how there could be some influences from that incredible franchise. But I feel, just so that you know, as your, your friend and, and reader, I, felt like you, I feel like you created your own lane to work in. And especially as you create this storyline that revolves around Jane. So Jane, oh. <laughs> you know, so where, does, where does, you know, I have to tell you when the merger happened and, you know, her company took over, then this handsome guy comes in and then, you know, r- real things really begin to er- erupt here. Creating Jane had to have been fun, if not also a challenging task for you, right? 
So how did you come up with this character? Is she inspired by someone real or is, or is she a, a hybrid of so many identities that you may know? Okay, it's a great question. And a lot of people will ask me that very question. Um, when I, just so you know, the first book that I wrote was the last one that I released in the series. It was Princess Smile. But we're talking about Camera Ready. That's the first book that I put out there only because it really was ready. And I felt as though the reader could be sort of in media res. I mean, there was a horrible situation that happened in the first book. I won't, no spoilers on that, but she, she does it through flashbacks. When I sat to write Jane, I know it's sort of maybe not fashionable <laughs> to write a woman that uh, is not ready to plunge into the English Channel and go save the mm-hmm. world, <laughs> mm-hmm. cross it and save the world. Because that's not really how reality is with women. I mean, we are, you know, Jane is fallible. She is flawed. She makes right. terrible mistakes. And you're, you know, and whether you like her or not, I've had people that say, oh, my gosh, I, she's made me so mad. Like, why should you make, you know, and or I have people, oh, my gosh, I totally relate to her. I think the reality is she is relatable. I named her Jane because I wanted her to be every woman. Mm. Um, and and Jane, and I also have a grandmother named Jane who I loved, and I, that's how it started. Ah, but when okay. I when I went to de- yeah, so when I went to develop her character, I was like, okay, why would she make these terrible mistakes? Why would mm-hmm. she fall for a man like Craig Keller, who uh, clearly he's my villain in two right. of my books. He's my villain, and you know, it, it, I had to make create a backdrop or a background for her because as mm-hmm. we know, as writers. We have to develop a bio. When we do a character, it's like you can't just start writing them. They have to have a background and friends and what happened to her parents. Why was she raised by her grandparents? Why was she feeling so incredibly alone? And her friends are her family. Her friends are her sisters that she didn't have. She was an only child. And, you know, and there are allusions to a a really kind of a, a... a sad sort of challenging upbringing, but a feeling of being alone. And I think when, when someone like that is feeling, you know, it has that type of an upbringing, they might make a mistake or do the wrong thing without even knowing how, how wrong it was. And then, and then, you know, I always feel everybody is worthy of redemption. Um, Well, maybe some of my characters aren't, (laughs) but <laughs> but um because I have some villains and some villainesses in in the books, and you know kind of uh but yeah, I mean I, I wanted to create a, a someone who was realistic, you know I mean she's younger, um you know she's a little naive and 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 quite frankly the the guy was sort of an addiction if you want to look at yes. it like that yeah that's a good way of say it. goodbye yep. yeah. And you, do you find, as, as I was reading this, because I know you, I kept reminding in my head, okay, Adele is not Jane. Adele is not Jane. Or is she? Is there any element of you in Jane, actually? That's, it's great, because I get that a lot. It's like, is, that, is this um, autobiographical? Like, are you her? Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the short answer is no, but obviously all my characters have elements of my personality, even the bad ones, but 
Um, and you have to relate to every character and love them right. on some level, even if you really, really don't like them and you make them sort of evil. But Jane, I would say there are two things, I didn't tell this to people, there are two things that Jane and I have in common. Okay. One is we have an incredible love of fashion. And mm. we like shoes and we like dresses and we read Vogue and we're like, And she did look good. So she did look good, okay? And she, in, in your brain, she looks good. Yes, yeah, she, she did. She loves to, to wear, she loves her clothes and, and even goes into debt um, for it in the first book. But the yes, reality right. is that's, that's one thing that I have in common with Jane. So it was easy for me to write that whole fashion element because it, and it was actually very something that I, I – affected my real life because I would tell my husband, mm. I want what Jane's wearing. I want that out. <laughs> and um, so, okay, so that's the one thing, the fashion sense. And then the other thing is that we never get away with anything. So <laughs> it's, like, it's like if Jane does something, if she tells a fib, it's going to come yes. out and she's going to get in trouble. So my, the way I live is like, you try not to do that ever because you're going to get caught. <laughs> so be honest and be forthright, tell the truth. But, you know, Jane is not me. And so she has to learn, just to learn. And I think this camera ready is definitely a book where she learned some hard lessons. And I appreciate your saying that. So for our new listeners who are joining us, thank you for joining us live. You're listening live to BJ Speaks, and I am here with the amazing Adele Royce, the author of this series, the multi-book series, Truth, Lies, and Love in Advertising. And if you'd like to speak to us during this live podcast, feel free to call us at 347-539-5372. Again, that call in is 347-539-5372. And I see some of you have already spotted me via email, so we're going to get to those at some point, Adele. But the email address, nonetheless, is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com, and as well as my DMs on Instagram, Jones. You can find me there. So, Adele, I'm glad you mentioned, and I appreciate your my fascination for, for Jane. I loved her. But let's talk a little bit about Craig for a moment, and then we can get to the other works. So Craig is the, the the character that I love to hate, and I know I needed him. And I could see, I think that chemistry that you created, that dynamic between the two was so important. And so just as you had an incredible process for creating Jane and, and having a sense of identity, was there any sense of Adele inside Craig <laughs> as far as his own unique identity of uh, like the, the bad that he did? Because I really enjoyed him as well. Oh, well, what a loaded question. Um, I actually, and if any of your listeners have only read Camera Ready or Princess Smile or none of the books or you're going to read, and I say I felt connected in some way, <laughs> please don't hate me. <laughs> but, but, but what was interesting about him, I created him to be my villain. He is a flat-out villain in Princess Smile. Yeah. but yes. The, he is. And, and in Camel Ready, he's also a flat-out villain. Um, mm-hmm. But I could, when I – so when I created him, I created him to be a villain. I didn't even think that this series would go on past Princess Smile at the time mm. when I created Craig. I just wanted an antagonist who was so incredibly – gifted at, mm-hmm. you know, he's an ad man. So we've got the gift of gab. He grew up in a wealthy family. So he feels as though he's entitled. He, um, you know, this is, this is what, this is what everybody is thinking as we read these first two books. 
he, um, you know, everything's easy for him. He lives in, you know, Brentwood in, in Camaretti or Malibu or whatever this guy. He has everything. He has this, the, the Bentley. He has all these themes. He always looks great. He always has the right thing to say. He opens the door for Jane. He opens the door. He's a gentleman, right. but he's such a monster. <laughs> yes. And, and he's a monster. And I had to create somebody who, where it would be believable, um, you know, it might be sort of a cliche, like, oh, okay, she falls for the, this hot guy right. who is the the boss, da, 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 and what an idiot she is. Okay, well, we could say that. Or on the other hand, you could say he was an extremely charismatic, powerful force who ends up being in in charge of her. And right. for and I thought when I when I created the stories, I thought what would be the most awful thing that could happen to you at work. And because, I mean, I've, I've had a, a long career in marketing and advertising, mm-hmm. so I was thinking about mm-hmm. what could happen, and I thought, how awful would it be to have had baggage with this person in the past, and suddenly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's your boss. <laughs> <laughs> and what's going to happen? But honestly, Billy, like, Craig's character evolved, and I hope he didn't, I, you know, one of the things that one of my writing partners, who I love them all dearly, they said was, don't, don't make your villain two-dimensional. You know, find a way to make them so that they're not, like there's a kernel of something there that mm-hmm. might be good. <laughs> but yeah. inevitably, they're bad. Mm. And I hope that answers something. But when I, I actually did. I did the same process I did for Jane. I wrote his bio. I said, oh, he mm-hmm. grew up in San Francisco. I made the stuff up. His mother is a poet. <laughs> and, um, you know, his father was, a, a, you know, a, a trial lawyer defending <laughs> famous mobsters in San Francisco. Like, it's just so much fun, as you know, to just make these characters up and go, okay, what, what, what is his story? And how is he going to act? And how is she going to react? Because she's the protagonist in two of the books. So, you know, but and it you you allude to your process there, your writing process, and I mm, found mm-hmm. I, you you gave me little nuggets here that were really good about your writing process and how you said, for instance, you walked the geographic location that Jane would frequent if she you know were were real, and you did your research. Can we talk a little bit about that? Let's dive into your process, you know, because writing a book is a lot of deal. But you really took on, you did the work, and kudos to you for that. So what was that process like for you? Well, first of all, thank you. And, um, and, and uh, you know, uh, it, it absolutely is a process. And it's not quick and easy, and you have to mm-hmm. study and think and edit and rewrite and get people to read it. And, okay, so, but for these books, I mm-hmm. I didn't really outline. I know some writers outline. They know right. everything that's going to happen in every chapter, and you know, and and then they know uh, how everything's going to roll out. And I, for these books, didn't really do that. I I knew what was going to. Um, I, I knew what the, the the top three plot premises okay. were, a subplot, whatever. Okay. And then I knew what was going to happen at the end, mm-hmm. always. But I didn't know what would happen in between. So once the process of writing the first draft is mm-hmm. there, and, and, mm-hmm. and Billy, the most magical thing for any author is to not really know where their characters are going. You know, right. I could give you specific examples in this book or in any of them, but is to let 
those characters because of how you've drawn them. And, you know, you know, Craig's going to react to this comment with this, and Jane's right. going to be like this, and her friends are going to advise her this way, and her grandparents are going to be this way. And so suddenly they just start doing their own thing, and they go off, and I'm literally feeling like I'm some sort of a medium <laughs> following them on the keyboard going, where are they? Right, <laughs> not, not that I write horror like you, but the re- re- reality is I'm literally just, just following them and I'm going, okay. And then mm-hmm. the magic it Billy is at the end when you go back and read these scenes and you say, wow, wow. I did not intend for that to happen. I did not mm-hmm. intend for her to go, to go to that. Um, oh, well, we're talking about camera ready. I'm trying to think of the scene, you know, Oh, I didn't know. Um, I don't want any spoilers, but like there were just things I didn't know that were, right. that happened and it changed the outcome a little bit. So, Again, I'm more of a pan a panther, I think is what we call that, mm-hmm. rather than an mm-hmm. outliner. Mm-hmm. I do it by the seat of my pants for these books. And then with regard to the research, I had a lot of fun because I mean, we were living in Miami. I had so much fun going to LA and just right. driving along the streets and going, Okay, how far does it take uh you know, where would their office be? It's gonna be right around here. And then we would drive up the coast and go, where would Craig's house be? <laughs> mm. Just finding some plot in Malibu really and getting good. out of the car and going, yeah. here's where they are. How long does it take for her to go to the Dolby Theater from right. Santa Monica? You know, I mean, just little things like that that are detailed, like seeing the freeways, knowing, like, the, sitting in traffic and going, oh, my gosh, the traffic has to be a part of the story because everybody knows that L.A. is like bumper-to-bumper traffic. So it was like a lot of those types of things. What are people talking about? Like, you know, not that you want to be a stalker, but you're walking through crowds or you're sitting in a restaurant and you hear two women talking a right. lot. You know, they talk a lot about yoga. They talk a lot about this. And, and he's very into their, you know, you know right. it's kind of – yeah, you just you're just getting the look. Gotta take it in. And yeah, yep. And that's and that's really how I tried to. Th- those are the things that I add in after I've already written the first draft, and maybe mm-hmm. the second. Those are the things that really start to add the color into the scenes where you're like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, um, just little details, little touches that the reader might identify with and go, okay, I'm watching what's going on because you want it to be visual, right? You right. want the, the right. reader to be very picturing, mm-hmm. picturing what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, I'm glad you mentioned the idea of, of image building and the realism of works. A lot of writers, uh, especially beginning writers, uh, I always tell my students, I teach creative writing at the, at the college level. And one of the things I tell them often is that even in fiction, there's reality. And you have to be able to build that reality. So, if you're going to write historical fiction, for instance, you have to do your homework on that era, that period, or that individual. If you're going to write in a contemporary or a postmodern time, you have to do the same like you're doing. Get out in the culture. Evoke all the human senses. And what you just described is exactly what I experienced when I was reading. I've been to San Diego a few times. I've been to Los Angeles as well. Let me use Los Angeles in particular. And I felt like I was there. I, I felt, I was like, oh, my, OMG, this is so cool. And I'm, although I've only read Camera Ready, I'm certain that the other works continue with that, that, that paradigm of dynamic settings, just enough to give you everything. And if you had been there, you know what it was like. And if you've not been there, now you have a taste of what it's like. I thought it was a nice balance. So kudos to you for that. 
And the other part, too, that I thought was really cool was your layering of character development, including with your use of dialogue. Cool. Let's share, talk about that. Your dialogue, especially in the moments, um, I'm, I'm looking here, and I'm not going to give a spoiler here, but I tabbed here something, the end of Chapter 16, when um, there's a moment between Craig and, and, and Jane, and Jane turns on her heel, and there's a, there's a thought that you offer that was such a beautiful cliffhanger to the next chapter that I thought was super cool. I don't want to read it unless you allow me to, but there was a part here that really just is, is just the last couple lines, the way that you said, I knew my friends were being protective of me for a reason but I was not in the mood to hear yet another smear campaign against Craig. And it was like, hold on, Jane. <laughs> no, Jane. I love the fact that you made people real, Adele. They were very real because just like we may find the biggest and greatest jerk, and I've had a few bosses, and I hope they're listening, by the way, um, who have been jerks in life. But even in those jerks, I learned something. There was something of value that I could take away and even become characters of my own. And so thank you for sharing that in your process. Just wanted to acknowledge that. But that is, those, I love the way that you ended these moments. I mean, it's almost like I was watching the episodes of a show. Like if this were made into a movie, any of, and I'm sure the other works follow suit, you could take uh, the, script, the, sc- the screenwriters would have fun developing the dynamics of these things because you actually made it easier for them to do that by the dynamics of your, your, your design of your story. Well, you know what? From your lips to God's ears, from the movie and the screenplay, don't we all want to see our book made into a movie? Wouldn't that be so cool? That's right. Um, yeah, but, but when, you said, when you start talking about dialogue, and I remember that particular scene, they, she was with her friends. And I think, mm-hmm. I think one of the things about Jane, and one that makes her real, really, is she wants to be good at something. She wants to yeah. be good at her job. And she's been put into this terrible situation, and I think she had a success, yet a small success in um, presenting to a client. And, um, you know, there's where I bring the realistic. We can talk about that. Uh, later, mm-hmm. but the realistic ab- advertising aspects is when uh, the, the, what goes on in the boardroom and the presentations and the, and the, the development of, uh, of the, the ad campaign and the mm-hmm. delivery to the client mm-hmm. and sitting there worrying about whether it's going to be good. And in this particular case, Jane is even more worried about what yeah. her bosses are thinking because they're sitting there like hawks watching, and she's like, am I going to mess this up? You know, I've, I've actually had those feelings before where I've walked into a presentation and gone, okay, who here is my friend and who isn't? Mm. Is it a friendly environment or is it not? Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, when I, especially when I was younger, you know, in, a, in a w- women in, in the workplace, and we're like, oh, my gosh, this has to be perfect. And so right. I think when she finally <laughs> – it's recognized in this small manner by these powerful, mean people. She's sort of, and I think one of the funny lines that I used, it was one of her friends says, you're, you're drinking the Keller Kool-Aid. <laughs> because suddenly she's like back on, I think, and I think it was I think I, I made her with a constant zigzagging yeah. emotions with, with him. I hate him. Oh my God, he's, he's awful and then there's the whole oh i want approval so isn't that just a little bit realistic as to what people do whether they're younger or whatever you're doing whether it's you know it could be anything there's a sense especially i think in younger women of wanting to be approved of in in what they're doing and absolutely i agree and i find that you know as i read this 
and I know your background with the industry. So that, then you just answered my question, what I was thinking, which was how based is this in advertising? Is that the real world in which the way you depicted it, at least from camera ready, do the other books do the same as well and keeping that storyline as well with the backdrop of the industry? Yes, yes, absolutely. There is reality to the types of situations. I worked both on the client side where mm-hmm. I was managing agencies and sat in those meetings, and I worked on the agency side where I was tr- the one trying to impress the client. And what I tried to do with these without you know, taking an actual scenario, like I, the most fun thing, Billy, was making up these brands because, you know, there's a uh, in, in camera ready, there's two co- competing cough syrups because mm-hmm. <laughs> whenever an ad agency merges or anybody merges, or, or especially with two agencies, they're like, well, what kind of, you know, what are the conflicts? You know, we've got one client that's, that's billing this amount and one that, but they're doing the same thing. So let's, which one are we going to get rid of? And those mm. are the types of situations that happen. And the most wow. fun was creating like kibosh cough drops and mm-hmm. creating a tagline for it or a headline or whatever for an ad that she's reading and oh and then we we represent relief cough cough syrup or whatever and <laughs> it's just the silly things that you make up in your head but the reality back to your question and mm-hmm. your point is yeah could those situations have happened depends on the personalities in the room but absolutely you know the, mm. the, the basic things are there you want, you want the, the, they're trying to make money. They're trying to get bigger clients. They're all competing against each other. And everybody is sort of out, uh, especially if they're out for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and, but yeah, you know, the scenarios that happen in the, in the office in here, I mean, clearly based on the fact that I, I, I've been in, in right. You've the been industry. In industry. And, right. Yeah. So you know how things work, you know? Is it okay from here? You got a media, a media person. Um, Bobby is this hilarious comic relief character. I ha- see. One of the things I have to do is I always have to have comic relief because when things get a little bit too intense, it's like, oh, it's time for nice Bobby balance. to come in well, and yeah. say something funny. <laughs> and you know Shakespeare did that, Adele. And you know Shakespeare, Shakespeare did that in all his tragedies. You know, at the moments of intensity, he had to have those moments of comic relief to kind of, you know, give the audience a, 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 a fall back, you know, before you build back up, you know. And you did that very well to the classics. A great oh, thank um, you. You know, ode to the, tra- to the classics. Good job. I do want to share with you. you, we're at... We're at our half hour mark. We're having so much fun, Adele. Isn't she awesome, folks? And I see many of you are sitting in questions here. Thank you for listening. You're listening live to BJ Speaks with me, Billy BJ Jones. And I'm here with the amazing Adele Royce, the author of the trilogy or multi-book series, because it's more than just three now, Truth, Lies, and Love in Advertising. So we have a few questions that are coming in, Adele, and we'll do our best to answer them, folks. So if you don't get them to, if we don't get them in now, I promise I'll get them to Adele, and we'll go via email and follow up accordingly. And, of course, don't forget to go and camp on. Go into the description for this show. You can see her, her, her social media feeds, and you can communicate with her as well. So, Adele, here's a question from Donna. Donna wants to know, so what made you decide to write this multi-book series? Okay, well, thank you, Donna. I, um, I, I didn't consider this a series, as right. some authors don't even know that they're going to create a series. I wrote the first book because I wanted, to, I wanted to write a book. I wanted it to be fun. I wanted it to be um, entertaining. And so when I wrote 
the, when I wrote Princess Smile, which again, that was the last one, the final one that I really, not final, but it was the last one that I, most recent. And I didn't, you know what? I got to the end of the book and I ended it in mm. such a way that I thought, you know what? I don't want to say goodbye to these characters. <laughs> I wasn't mm. ready. And I, I maybe came like so part of like, you know, they were just so much, they were almost, they felt like friends. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to write one more book about mm-hmm. them. And then I wrote Camera Ready. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. that was the first one published. And then when I wrote Four Position Only, I thought, I can't write another book in the voice of Jane. Let mm. me write it in the voice of Craig and see where that goes. That makes so, sense. Yeah, it was. I didn't know it was a series yet until I wrote, until I finished and I didn't want to. And it was like, I'm not ready to, to, uh, to say goodbye. <laughs> but you immerse yourself in so much of the culture, your, 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 your fictional reality of these characters, that they do become part of us. They become family. They're embedded. We memorialize these people in the world. So I, could, I, I get how that works. And Donna, great question, by the way. So that means, Donna, you have to go check it out. So check out the link for Adele um, um, for, to her website. And also you'll see links on her site to the, to the book itself. Adele, there's a question coming in from Chris, and this is a really good one. Listen to this. Chris underscore 45, by the way. When do you find time to write? Is writing your full-time life? Wait, great question from Chris. Um, and and here's, here's the thing, and I say this to anybody who is wanting to write or is not sure mm-hmm. or whatever. We all have day jobs. I mean, and I have a day job. I, I, I run a marketing company. So I have to do my work to pay my bills. <laughs> and then I have, everybody has loved ones and family and relatives and spouses and whatever we have mm-hmm. so to take care of. But what I always do is make some time. I, I always advise people to find the time where you can tune everything out. And that means mm-hmm. even, even if it's like 15 minutes, you shut your phone down, be, get in your zone, because you know Billy as well as I do. When you're writing, you have to get into that zone, and that zone yes, takes time. And if some, somebody's calling or texting or interrupting you, and unless it's an emergency, try to tune it out. So what I do is I try to either, you know, it depends. If I know on a day that I've got, uh, you know, time you know, between meetings and I can Mm -hmm. say, okay, I can do this now. But I find for me, I like to write early in the morning um, where I'm fresh. I've had though, when I was in Miami, I wrote a lot in the late afternoon. There's like, you kind of find your peak time of when your creativity is at its best and that you can, you're relaxed enough to immerse yourself again, like we were talking about into the world of the characters, because you've got to be there with them. If you aren't and you don't care about them, no one else will. You got to be there, and yeah. Mm. But I, I advise people to make make your time, make time. Well said, Adele. And Chris, I'll only add that's something that Adele took from Adele's lips to my ears. I am working on that myself, my friend. In fact, starting next week, when I return back, you know, to on ground for for teaching as a you know as a professor. I am making sure that I embed, you know, Fright Talk, my next work, in the fabric of my life. You know, so scheduling that time, just like I, I would to go to work out or to go hang with a friend or take time to just, you know, some me time. 
I need to schedule it into the fabric of my life. And if you want to get that, if Chris, if you are a writer, that is, we're not sure if you are, but to all writers who are listening, get the work done. You know, there's a point when you just have to make it happen. And I think Adele's advice was spot on. In fact, Adele, Tina has a question. Ah, listen to this. Tina writes, I saw your book online a few months ago. Good, Tina. Great cover. What do, what do you think makes your book unique from the other books in its category? That's a good question. Great question. Um, so great question from Tina. Um, what makes it unique from other books in its category? Well, let's talk about that for a second, because mm-hmm. not all books can be put into a, a well full category. Mm-hmm. And you know that, <laughs> but right. it, so when, when we, we have to, we have to go with a category of some type. So mine is for, for camera ready and for all three of them, they're either, uh, you know, workplace romance, you know, the camera ready is considered women's fiction. Um, but I had an interesting review from, um, it was a, or some, some folks who do reviews mm-hmm. and they said, I think it was reader's favorite. And they said for Camera Ready, I don't know why they're categorizing this as romance. It's, right. it's commercial fiction. It's commercial mm-hmm. fiction. So it's hard to find what is the comp book. I mean, if I were to say what is to make the, these books unique in the category of romance, well, it's advertising plus romance. Um, if I was looking just at Camera Ready, I would say it's, it, there's 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 a lot of the work drama in it. There's a lot of the mm-hmm. struggle of what's going on in the corporate life. I don't personally know of any authors who focus wholly on that, and especially right. in romance, where it, there's so many love scenes, and it's really really about the 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 love between these people and the conflict and all that. That's here, but I'd say the work corporate struggle mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and the relationships among those people who are a part of your family, if you're working with them or they're somebody that, you know, you're really <laughs> competing with. It's a really, I feel realistic look at what people go through in the corporate world. And so I'd say that's probably one of the unique because mm-hmm. I don't focus wholly on relationships. I mean, relationships are everything, but right. the work part of it and the feelings of struggling, inadequacy, wanting to be successful, um, wanting to, to, to make your mark in life, I think those are part of what my characters go through. Thank you, Adele. And, and Tina, I'll, I'll share, even in horror, it's the same thing. There are so many different categories of horror, from supernatural to splatter, splatterpunk to psychological you know, and thriller. You have so many subgenres as well, and that's okay. And I think as new and emerging writers are coming out, they're really redefining, you know, these, ba- these barriers to, you know, putting out identities of work and voices of work. But for business points of view, we have to fall where we do until we get where we're going. So I always say to new writers, and Adele probably would agree with this, you just write what you feel, right? Put it out there and write what you feel. But when you start getting it to that next level where you recognize there is an audience, there's a readership, then you'll start dealing with those other dimensions. But you'll be able to navigate as long as you stay true to your game. So thank you, Tina, for that. And, and Jason wants to know, I thought this is, well, actually, let me go to Anna's question first. Um, which character did you least enjoy creating? That's an interesting question. Did you have a character that you least enjoyed? 
Wow, that is a um, that's a very interesting question. Yeah. I actually I'm trying to think of a character that I I you know what I I would have to say that there were none. Are there characters that I didn't mm-hmm. like, or were there characters that I had zero connection with? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because I made them part of the story, but. I enjoy creating characters. That's like one of my loves in writing is to just paint the picture of them, have them do something, uh, make a gesture, make, uh, you know, the way that their, their hair is, the way that right. they smile, you know, or they sneer. I mean, it's so much fun to sketch these characters. And I can't off the top of my head, and I mean, that's disappointing. I can't think of anyone in my books that I didn't take the time to see in my head or maybe it reminded me of somebody I'd seen in a movie and I'm like, okay, that's, that's who I cast in that role. And let me think about how that person is. And I, I just enjoy the character development. Mm, me too. I love the fact that you said that because I'll give you an example right now, I'm working on a story and in this story, this character, this protagonist is going through, he's ex- experiencing this excruciating pain this pain that allows other things to manifest as he's experiencing this pain. I myself am not suffering through a chronic pain at the moment. Right? I'm very fortunate. But what would it be like to go through that? So almost I had to like project myself after doing all this research and visual um, artifacts and things like that and talking to folks who dealt with this particular illness. I almost had to project myself into this character. And sometimes when you go there, and I'm sure you agree, Adele, Sometimes you can go to these spaces that taps this other dimension of your own identity, and it's like, oh, okay, you know what? I'm done writing today, <laughs> and I'll come back to it, but I need a moment to reflect on what that evolution became, what that came to fruition about, you know what I mean, in order to come back to it so that I can move forward with the evolution of the storyline. Have you ever felt that way sometimes with some of your characters where you felt like, oh, my goodness, I really tapped something here, something – Regardless if it taps you personally or not, but you just it just it just hit something a pinch of personal or significant um, emotional connection of some sort with that character, you know. And how did you pull back? You know how you know how, what was your technique in that regard? Absolutely, number one, Billy. I you you really the way you the way you said that is like it's so real. Yeah. And whether you are describing an a terminal illness or, you know, something that, that's never happened to you and that you have to, you know, you can, like you said, research, research, research. You can talk to people. You can interview people. But when it's you and that empty page right. and you're writing it, you better be immersed in it. And if it gets a little too heavy, I mean, Billy, I've had times where I've written such an intense scene that I – will go take a break and I'll see myself mm-hmm. in, in the mirror and my reflection. My face is blue mm. because I am feeling what they're feeling. And mm-hmm. y- yes. So yes. And, and I know exactly what you're saying about it's time to close mm-hmm. the computer and go do something like fold laundry or, you know, take a walk, <laughs> take deep breaths and sort of go out of it in, in order for you to, the enable you to get the energy and the emotional strength to go back in later. And you said it just so incredibly, um, uh, but it's, it's absolutely the case with any of these um, because, because you want the reader to feel it. 
It, right. it has to feel it. If somebody is crying, you better be crying. That's right. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're not crying, I forget who it was. It was somebody famous who said, no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. Because mm-hmm. you've got to feel it while you're doing it. That's right. And I, I, and, and I have to say, you know, Anna, thank you for that, because your question just took us on a, a, another journey there. Um, just Read wants to know this, Adele. What does your family think of your books? That's part one. So we'll start there. <laughs> what does the family think? You know, I'm sure you shared it and had it, you know, circled among family and friends. How how are folks taking it? So it's funny because um, when I was first writing the books, I was like, you know, because you don't want anybody to read it when you're first writing your first book. You're like afraid to give it to a critique partner and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. want to share it. It's not good. But my family actually read every book in manuscript form. They were my beta readers. Um, oh, that's awesome. like my mom read it, my, my mother-in-law. I mean, they all really enjoyed, genuinely enjoyed the books. And now granted, okay, is my mom going to say, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> but um, they, they, they enjoy the books and they get that it's fiction and they get that they are characters. And the biggest surprise of all was when my brother read position only that he he hadn't read the other two and he read my male protagonist and he absolutely loved it he cried and he was like I mm. so identify with this and it was like it was the, it, it was the biggest happy surprise and then of course my mother-in-law this is a very funny one she's she calls after she reads all three of the books and she says wow Madeline she says does all that drama really go on in <laughs> and I said I said, well, I said, not exactly, because we'd all be fired and we would never get anything right. done. But, <laughs> but um, no, I, I, you know, and even surprisingly supported, even if, like, you know, they don't read in that genre or they, you know, friends, I've had friends that, oh, I don't, I don't read in that genre. They read the book and go, oh, my gosh, I had a really good time with it. Or, you know, and I've had people um, outside my family um, and friends and whatever, I've had objective opinions of people who were like, oh, you know, that they think this is what they didn't like. But, you know, to your point, when you put yourself out in the world, right. you, and I'll say this also to anybody who's an artist or writing or creating, you're going to have people that don't like it. And you just mm-hmm. have to, um, you just have to take that in stride and not ever get discouraged or think, oh, you know, it's okay. People have opinions and they are, especially with social media and everything else, they're not right. afraid to share them. And, you know, if you don't like it or you don't agree with it, dismiss it. It's okay. Oh, that's and right. take the high road. Don't ever, don't ever worry about it or make, let it stop you. But, yeah, my family, I was surprisingly, they're out now all asking. They've already read all my short stories and they're really like, what are you going to do with those? Because I haven't done anything with those. But then they're like, with my new book, they're like, can, can, we, can we read it yet? So it's very flattering and supportive for me. Oh, and, and that is, that's a yeah. nice follow-up from for Just Read. Just Read wanted to know for part two, does family give you the inspiration for some of your characters? Um, not, not really. I mean, with all my characters, you know, they are, uh, I would say, composites of things about myself, composites of people I've observed over time, 
you know, maybe somebody, maybe somebody said a really funny line mm-hmm. um, in, in work and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh gosh, I'll never forget that that was so fun or a situation or something, some characteristic that was funny. Like, okay, but I do have a right. family member um, who, this is funny because in Camaretti, there's a character, she's Bobby and she's, she's, she's this heavy smoker <laughs> and she, she chews nicotine <laughs> gum and I actually, okay, so this is, this is outing somebody, but they're, they're, they, it's, it's anonymous. So they hold it. They're listening. They'll know who they are, but that, um, it was someone who quit smoking and shoot, shoot nicotine gum to get the relief. And so I thought it would be funny if, if I had a character who was constantly chewing nicotine gum because she couldn't smoke in the office. And then she lines them up on her desk, the little nuggets of gum, like little soldiers lined up because she just keeps chewing the gum. And you know, if you read Bobby, the character of Bobby, she's hilarious. And again, comic relief, but that actually I did observe in a family member and I, and they, and they, when they read it, they laughed and they said, is that so-and-so? <laughs> and I said, yes. Oh, that's marvelous. And they were like laughing about it. So it's okay. It's all good. <laughs> that was great. Thank you for that. Oh, these are really good thanks questions. For, thanks I'm... for asking that because you reminded yeah. me that I did that. How interesting. So Samantha, Samantha asked the following. So how did you decide on the titles of your book? They're very catchy. You know, camera ready, for instance, sounds fun. And I love the pump on the cover too. Ah, (laughs) listen, the artwork is second to none. You should check out Samantha. Click the link in the, in the bio of this show. You'll see the website. It's stunning. So, you know, these titles are, are very clever, Adele, any any um, little insights, if you could, on any aspect of that? Yeah, well, all three of the books had a different title, working title. I always do that with my books. They have a working title. And, and I know it's not going to be the final one because I'm just like, let me just keep this in this file. But with these books, I actually brainstorm some ideas. Um, you know, my husband mm. and I, he actually works in the industry, too, and and we were brainstorming, okay, what can, how can we tie it to advertising? Because if the, if the title of the series is this, and the title of the series came after I named these books, um, I had to name the series then, and I'm like, hmm, let me find mm. something for that. But camera ready, so for example, camera ready, I'm like, okay, what's, because you always want to tie it to some element of the book. And so camera ready was, and I, I when I did the book, I, I had purposely had the, the publisher put the, the Y sort of hanging off, mm. and the pumps, one of them's off, and and so my point, what really with that, camera ready is a term we use in advertising for when an ad is ready to uh, be placed or if, if, if you're a journalist and you're going to go on camera, you need to not have, have eaten, you know, blueberries or whatever. You got to be, you know, their hair's done, they're like perfect looking. But my point with camera ready was that not any of these characters were camera ready at all. Right. And then, of course, <laughs> there's, there's the whole thing where there's a photo that causes all this reverberation of chain reaction of horrible events was the photo because she was not camera ready. <laughs> so, yeah, I try to tie it to something and make it cleverly back um, t- tied to uh, the, the, the industry or whatever it is I'm writing. I try to tie it in some way um, to – you know, so that the reader can go, okay, four position only. Well, that it is an advertising term, but um, but what is it about the position? Um, what is it about his job? What is it? Uh, what what is he looking for? And you find out mm-hmm. in that book. Mm-hmm. I, I I actually have the character think that through about mm-hmm. how his life mm. was was four position only, because four position only means 
something that's not quite ready and you put a, a photo in that's mm-hmm. stock or whatever, mm-hmm. just a, it's a placeholder so that the, that the, the ad is not exactly finished. So there's a, just a couple of, of oh, tidbits awesome. <laughs> so you ask, um, about what, how I name them, but it's always at the end. And after I've had yeah. plenty of people reading it, I name it. Oh, how cool. Well, listen, and as I'm doing yeah, this, fine. I'm taking notes, friend. I'm sitting over here taking notes. I'm like, that's a clever idea. That's a, a, a nice way to approach that. Thank you. Green Great. Witch. Happy to help, Billy. You know, I appreciate yeah. all the help I can get because Green Witch actually has an idea for you. So Green Witch, yeah. I think it's Green Witch, W-I-T-C-H, <laughs> wishing you, Adele, the very best. Ever thought of taking your chats like this? on the virtual role, like Zoom readings or webinars? That's a great, great, um, uh, that's a great suggestion. And thank you. I, I actually have done some virtual book clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when a book club, uh, you know, actually one I think I did with, with your group, uh, Billy, with mm-hmm. the university at one point we did a, a book Mm-hmm. Zoom. So yeah. So just because of the pandemic, we couldn't really get together. But so I've done those. But um, I think so. I think the suggestion is that I put those chats online. Is that right? Like maybe like YouTube, perhaps. Yeah, you know, even from live and then recording sure. them to perhaps YouTube. I mean, that's listen. I have to share, friends. I should be Green, doing Green Witch. <laughs> We will be happy. In fact, if you're going to be there to support us, Green Witch, we need your support. You know, to make sure that Adele is sure. getting that, getting that support. Absolutely, I think that's a great idea. She is gorgeous, by the way, folks. Adele is a beautiful person inside now, and you can listen to her for hours, just talk. And there's such excitement and dy- the dynamic element of your personality just makes me want to read. And I know that many of the readers and listeners more so today are feeling the same. Which brings me to Smithson. We'll take this final question here if we can. I'm going to read it slowly because it's a, it's a little scenario. Sometimes I get unmotivated to write. I still haven't published my book. I'm about halfway done with the manuscript, but it needs more work. How do you, Adele, stay motivated to write? Wow. Okay, great. And I'm so glad that that that, that question came up because I totally understand you. Yeah. Anybody who's been in that situation, I would suggest, and this is what I tell anyone who's trying to finish a manuscript. If locally, if you can find a local or organization where you can meet with fellow writers, you can join a critique group. And, you know, oftentimes they'll meet once a month and you, you have to critique their work too. So there's some work in it for you. But what it does is motivate you to create. And oftentimes when you have other people looking at your work, you, you know, it'll give you, spark you ideas. The second thing I would say, so find a local organization, find some folks who are like-minded where you can exchange work, whether you're whether mm-hmm, writing mm-hmm. fiction or nonfiction, do that. And then also I'd say don't ever give up because if this is your calling and this is unequivocally what you want to do right. with your life in some fashion, stay with it and, right. um, and, and believe in yourself and don't, don't, don't give up. There, right. there are lots of ways to motivate, yeah, and get some inspiration. But I, I do highly recommend meeting with others because it will make you think about things differently. Yeah, you know, it does. 
It does. In so, fact, yeah. Smithson, finding that tribe, finding your creative tribe, I call it, your, your writing tribe, your yeah. author tribe, you know, it, it makes all the world a difference. It motivates you. Even when I go to events, you know, with Adele and with all the other, our writer friends, our little, our, our little tribe, it just motivates you to do better because I'm happy with them doing well. And so that there, there's energy, good energy you can draw from that as well. But again, embedded in the fabric of your life, don't quit. And Adele, as we wind down this awesome hour, you know you're not. You know this is not your last time here, by the way. You're coming back, okay? I cannot wait to do another reunion show with you because you're just so much fun. But what's next for you? I know you're working on some really cool things. And what's next on your agenda? Thank you so much. And I, you have the same great energy, and I can't wait to come back. But that said, I am. I just finished my fourth um, novel. It is tied to this series. But it's a different, I went forayed into a different genre. It's a mystery mm-hmm. slash thriller. I just finished the first draft, so I have a ton of work to do. But um, it utilizes uh, a lot of the same characters. I introduce a very interesting character, and they have quite a conundrum, and they have quite um, a powerful conflict to solve. Mm, is, that, love it. is that enough of a tease? Ooh, I can tell you the name. Good. I've not told anybody the name, but I can, I can say it on your show. It's called Summer's Blood. Ooh, love it. Love it. I love that. The, you know I am especially in love with the title. <laughs> but also, there's something else, my friend. Your alma mater has called. They're looking for you, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. So I got a, um, an unsolicited email from uh, the dean of the English department at ASU, Arizona State, where I went to school so many, many moons ago. And they just he had seen something I was doing professionally on LinkedIn and said, hey, would you want to come and um, talk to my incoming students at ASU in September and, um, and, and motivate them mm-hmm. because they're That's just awesome. joining as humanities majors? Yeah. And then um, at that point, and he found out I was also an author, and he looked at my pen name, and, and then he, he got them a bunch of books. And so I'm going to go talk to those folks, and I'm so excited because I love to mentor people, and I love to give anybody who's trying to write or have a career some motivation and, uh, you know, and to feel like, you know, yeah, you can, you can do whatever you want with those degrees, as you know, right. because you're, that's your profession. Yeah. Oh, Adele Royce, you are a you are like a beautiful glass of lemonade on a summer day. I can just sit here, I enjoy it, and I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. get the picture to have some more. That is why we need you back on everyday folks. I'm very proud of you, dear friend. I wish you the con- continued success in all that you do. Know that you have support here in the everyday folks family. You have my undying support and all that we have here for support and all that you do. And folks, if you haven't done so already. Please don't forget to click on that link. Go to AdeleVoice.com right now and check out her website. Pick up any of the books. Get, in fact, get all of them. Just get them all. You'll, you'll thank me later. Just get them all. Get them all. Read them all. And write and, and post those reviews. That helps so much for authors, that you give your feedback and post those reviews so that other exciting readers and potential readers can enjoy the moment, too. And then lastly, I'd like to also invite you to listen to other programming. You may not know this, but we're up to over almost 260 episodes of content here at Everyday Folk for the past five and a half years. So we can't wait to do more and provide more. 
Just want to share with you, though, this show in its, in, in, in its entirety will be available to you on all major outlets for podcasting, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and, of course, Apple Podcasts. So don't forget to listen. And you can always visit everydayfolksradio.com to, to not only listen to this episode, but all of our other exciting content, too. Adele, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, listeners, and have a great day.